0: Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life, underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to Season 4 of Living the Sky Life. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Living in the Sky Life. I am actually flying solo today. I feel like there are a lot of things um, I'd like to chat about and catch everybody up on um, with regard to Skyler and just kind of adulting that we're experiencing. Um, for those of you that follow my writing and my blog um, on the Facebook page, uh, Welcome to My Life, Skyler's World, I have noted some of these things in the last few months, but um, you know the bottom line is we're dangerously close to that age of services ending. Skylar will be 20 um, in April, and while I know that our state and many states continue services until the age of 22 legally, they're supposed to um, maintain services until that age. Um, I also see the writing on the wall, and um, and not so many terms have been told that it's about age 20. That um, Medicaid, the waiver, a lot of different things start pushing back on services and service hours. So I had a meeting at Skyler's ABA center, which is where he spends most of his days um, during the week, um, about a month ago, and it was just to kind of level set, so I thought, and prepare goals for the upcoming year. and and we've moved a lot of the goals together. Um, I have met with them and said, listen, I I really don't think putting items in a shape sorter at this point is really going to benefit him in the long run. He's an adult. He needs to be doing adult things um, and working on independence at home um, with us. And when he's not with us, if you guys can help with some of those skills. And so He had ramped up his skills and his goal setting to be things like loading clothes into the washing machine and the dryer um, at his center, carrying his lunch, helping them warm it up in the microwave, wiping off the table when he's done, um, and doing a little bit more OT incorporated into his everyday um, choices through PECs and different things. Um, We're just trying to make the most of the center and what they can provide Um, Because I know that it's not exactly meeting his needs, um, but it helps, and it's above my pay grade to to really know what to do every single day for OT, speech, PT, ABA, all the things that's just not my wheelhouse. Um, So anyway, um, when we had our meeting, it was presented in a way that made me really uncomfortable and really sad. Um I, I was told that you know it's it's taking Skyler nine months sometimes to complete even the simplest of goals, um, which I I took offense to that that terminology because they may not be simple for him, especially if it's using his body in a certain way that's a really strong hardship for him uh, because of his motor planning issues and things. But anyway, um, and then, you know, it was kind of, danced around that they just don't know if this is the right place for him any longer. Um, they suggested bringing in an expert in ABA to evaluate them and their goals and the programming that they're providing to see if that's something that um, that they're doing all that they can. And I just know having the history that I've had with this particular facility, I know that that was a way for them to have somebody outside say, yeah, ABA is not for him. Um, I don't think there's anything more you guys can do for him. And then they can release him at the age of 20 instead of waiting until he's 22 and free up his spot for a cute little kid who is three or four and needs a little bit of ABA services. That's ultimately what they want. So I um, thought long and hard and cried Um, about it and just decided, you know, rather than be, dare I say, a victim, I I refuse to sit around and wait for somebody to dictate to me where my son can and can't go and what he can and can't do. And um, that's just not how I operate. It's never how I've been my entire time parenting him um, and really my entire life. I, I don't let someone decide my fate. So, he, um, we, we all agreed about, about not having an expert come in, that we can continue the programming. And then I went home and brainstormed like, okay, if they called me today and told me that the program was going to end for him, what do I have in place for his daytime? We know there are no day programs here in our state or in our area. So I have nowhere to take him. Um, that's a, you know, formalized program. Uh, I cannot quit my job at this point. I am not ready to and I don't want to. So how would he be entertained throughout the day um, and continue to learn things and help with his independence? So I've made list after list. I've reached out to former therapists, friends of mine, just everybody hopefully helping me put their minds together and figuring this out. And um, it dawned on me like, you know, it doesn't have to be a formal day program since we don't have one. I can create my own. There are parents all over doing the exact same thing. And um, I've luckily gotten to speak to some of them on the podcast, and they have encouraged me to continue my thinking. Um, but, you know, we I, I found a place um, that another friend attends that has horseback riding lessons. And while Skylar used to do hippotherapy when he was very, very little – um, I know that it's going to be an uphill climb to get him back to being comfortable around horses, but we've been three times now, and the first time he was just completely scared and didn't want to go anywhere near the horses, which is completely fine. The facility is so wonderful, and the the owners are just beautiful people. And, um, they support him 100% just coming there, being at the barn and then leaving if that's all he can take. Um, we've gotten up to the point now that he has pet them on the nose. He has handed them treats. Um, so we're getting there. I I would hope that he will be interested in riding someday in the near future. Um, but as long as his comfort level comes down, just, just visiting the horses, I'm fine with that. Um, we've also, I've I got him a Y membership and uh, we just took him for the first time last weekend and to walk the inside track or to swim in the heated pool, um, just to get him out of our house and to interact with the community more. He did fabulous. And um, he's become a regular mall walker on Saturday mornings. He and my husband do that together and then they go to his favorite lunch spot every Saturday. We're trying to develop a different routine for him predominantly on the weekends, but that something that can be, you know, just expanded into the weekdays if he were to be sent home permanently and no longer have um, his center to go to. So I also started him back in OT therapy to help with some of this motor planning stuff. I really thought we were past most of it, but just seeing how he spells and how much effort it takes for him to extend his arm and his finger to point at the letters that he needs to spell and his eyes, you know, working with his hands. It's a lot. He still struggles. You can see how exhausted he gets after spelling five or six words. So in order for him to be able to type someday, he's definitely going to need his OT, um, ramped up and his abilities and his skills with his body working with him. Um, a little bit strong strengthened. So, um, so he is doing OT twice a week, just like with the horses and anything else. The first few times anywhere new, um, is a bit of a struggle. It just seems like he scams the room, like scans the room and, um, to what he can throw or what he he can destroy. It's almost as if he's saying like, you know, it's his fight or flight. You can see that, but, um, You know, maybe he'll smack one of the therapists on the arm or he'll tug on their hair, just trying to see, I feel like if they're going to give up and just say, you know, no, you can't come here. We can't tolerate this just so he can get out of it. There's so much childlike behavior, I feel like, with him where he's always testing people. But the people that stick up for themselves and kind of stand up to him in a way, not mean, but if they hold their ground, which is what I always tell them to do um, and talk to him like he's a 20 year old man instead of a child, he seems to respect those people much better and faster. And then he's willing to work with them. So one of the other things about that, that I blogged about a week or so ago was the ability for me to let go. I've always accompanied him back to like therapy sessions, like his OT sessions or whatever, because I Felt like I had a need to protect him and to protect the therapist or whoever was working with him from getting smacked or getting their hair pulled, and um, I just couldn't let go in the sense that I just didn't want them to be frustrated with him and then discharge him and say he we just can't we can't deal with him here, um, and I didn't want his feelings to be hurt if they did something like that or took that course of action, so I thought that me being back there was the best thing because I was monitoring everything, I was apologizing on his behalf to them, whatever. And then it just made me realize, I I think it's probably making things worse. I know that probably sounds stupid to just finally realize that at this age that he is, but I really thought I was helping. And I don't know if many of you have the same experience. If your children are younger, or older, it doesn't really matter. But if you always feel like you have to be the mediator and you have to be the one that explains, even if they do something that's considered a negative behavior, like explain it away. Maybe he's maybe he's anxious. Maybe he's nervous just because he's never been here before. Um, he didn't mean to pull your hair. It's just so pretty, and he loves to touch the texture of hair and just constantly defending his behaviors. And that's not necessary. And and as I said on a recent podcast episode with a guest, I have learned more from the um, adult spellers that I have talked to and that have explained behaviors and things to me in the past couple years. And I have learned most of Skylar's life. Um, and, and the point that they've made is this. Our kids work so hard every single day at every single skill and everything that makes you know, life a little bit more challenging for them to try to you know hurry up and do things or catch up to their peers or just do anything in the house to be um, not a problem for us, for lack of a better term. And these spellers have told me that the biggest thing that they focus on every single day is not disappointing their parents. They just don't want to do anything bad or wrong or negative and and upset their parents or siblings, people in the household, or even teachers, I guess, but more parents, they've said. And if they do lose sight of their body, which many of our kids do, and they can't control some of the behaviors that come out when they're anxious and they're nervous and they, they have no other way to communicate those feelings other than to maybe act out. They feel so terrible after that happens because they can't apologize. They can't explain that they didn't mean to or the reason that they did what they did. Um, And then they feel even worse than they did committing whatever was the behavior that was um, not really appropriate. And so I say all of that to explain that when I'm back there, I'm getting the sense now that by my apologizing for Skyler and downplaying and trying to explain away his behaviors and his um, the way he acts, he is insulted. It's, it's insulting him. And he doesn't want me hovering all the time. He doesn't want me explaining things away for him. I mean, I, I guess I think of it too, like if I'm having a bad day and I snap at someone or whatever, the last thing I would want is somebody over my shoulder saying, she she didn't really mean that yeah i did yeah i probably did if i said it then i meant it and it just it just kind of demeans and diminishes whatever it is they're trying to communicate so this last therapy session um i think i caught the therapist by surprise but when i brought him in i had already talked to skylar in the car and i told him hey listen you know i'm not going to go back with you today you are totally capable of anything that they you know want you to try and I know you can speak for yourself with your hands and you can let them know if something's uncomfortable or not. I'm just going to be right out in the waiting room. You got this. And I told the therapist, I'm not going to go back. Um, Skylar is capable of going back by himself. And I think you guys will have a better session without me. Of course, I'm in the waiting room panicking the entire time thinking she's going to come out completely bald because he's ripped all her hair out or <laughs> with bruises all over her because he's smacked her. Um, but yet again, Skylar proves me wrong as he always does. And she came out with a smile and she said, he had such a great session. He only slapped me a little bit, you know, just one time. And she goes, and it was honestly my fault because I know you've told me that he doesn't really like people to turn their back on him and to walk away. He prefers you stand next to him or hold his hand or whatever. And she said, I turned away from him. And he slapped me on the back a little bit. And, um, and she said, the other thing is I talked, you know, sternly to him, like you suggested, I didn't baby talk to him because he hates that. And, um, she said he was phenomenal and I praised and praised and praised him when I got back to the car and that I knew he could do it. So, you know, (laughs) it takes parents. Sometimes I am living proof a long time, um, for some of us 20 years to still to finally realize some things that maybe should be obvious but I feel like as much as he's grown and learned and adapted and all of those things I've grown just as much or more because he's always showing me it just takes me sometimes a lot longer to pick up what he's trying to put down for me um and then I'm always just so embarrassed that it took me that long. and we get a good chuckle out of it. I mean, I'm very clear to him that, um, you know, mom finally figured it out. I'm so sorry that it took me so long. And he smirks. And um, so I know he, he completely understands. And I hope that someday he'll communicate to me that he understands that I'm just trying my best and I'm trying to do everything right. And um, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm trying too hard to, to make everything perfect and make it right for him when if I just relaxed and lived and observed and just kind of, you know, wing it, so to speak, (laughs) like he is forced to do on a daily basis, maybe things would be better. Um, And then, you know, to that point too, I also recently blogged about um, that same topic about, you know, stopping saying what I've always been conditioned my entire life to say to others or about myself is that I'm fine. Anytime anyone ever asks me out and about, uh, friends or family, anybody's like, hey, how are you doing? I don't know how many of you guys are like me, but you always say, hey, I'm fine, fine, things are good, I'm fine. And I could be having the absolute worst day of my life and I still would say I'm fine. Partly because I don't, I think people just ask as a As a pleasantry and that's just kind of what we're we're all conditioned to say hey how are you I'm fine um and and we're not (laughs) we're not always fine I know I'm not always fine but I don't really want to share that I'm not fine and I don't really want to share all that made my day so terrible because I don't think people really want to know that I think they would just be happier if I just um responded to them with things are good I'm fine and then we all move on so I I also kind of reevaluated the way that I talked to Skylar because I was thinking about why I always say I'm fine when I'm not and didn't realize that that's exactly what I say to him when he's not fine. And I, of course, meant nothing by it. I just was trying to calm the situations or make him feel better. When I, in actuality was probably making him feel worse. So case in point. So we went out to the barn the first time to see the horses and he was nervous in the car. I could tell, um, cause he didn't know where we were going. We were, it's, it's about 35, 40 minutes away. So going that far, he was like, where are we headed? And we kept telling him and I, we did a lesson on, spe- um, a spelling lesson on horses just to kind of prepare him about horses and things. Um, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure he knew what we were going to do with the horses. He just knew I was talking about horses a lot and that we were probably going to go see them. So, um, when we got there, he got out of the car and he was really anxious and I could, he started clapping over his head a lot more. I could just see, and he had a bowel movement right when we got there, which I knew was going to happen. That's what first sign of his anxiety, um, in just uncertainty about a situation, he uses the restroom. So, um, I kept saying to him as he's pacing around the, um, the barn. And I, I just said, buddy, you're fine. You're fine. It's okay. Noth- nothing's going to hurt you. No, one's going to hurt you. You don't have to ride the horses. If you don't want to, you don't have to touch the horses. If you don't want to, you're fine. Um, again, trying to diffuse his anxiety and thinking I was helping. It didn't help anything. He was throwing helmets. He was like, he was just all, he was really investigating by touch, is how I like to say it. But he was touching everything, throwing things, just really trying to get the groundwork for what the hell we were doing there and what we were going to make him do. Um, So we got back in the car. I was really frustrated. I thought, gosh, I really, he loved horses when he was little. I really thought he would enjoy this, but it was only the first time. We're definitely going to go back. Um, And then we had OT two days later. Very first OT, it was the evaluation um, before we started services. And he behaved the exact same way, just like he did at the barn, just like he always does at doctor's offices and things. Very upset, um, clapping, throwing things, all of that. And I did the exact same thing. I'm like, buddy, it's fine. You're fine. You're okay. Okay no one's going to hurt you. They're just asking questions. And I'm just trying to answer them, you know, for you. And honestly, and all of that, I'm not talking bad about you. I'm just letting them know what you're capable of at this point with your hands and things that are challenging, all of that. But I kept saying, you're fine. You're okay. You're okay. Um, No need to be upset. You're okay. And then I don't know why it dawned on me when I got in the car and we got home. I told my husband, I said, do you remember how many times, I mean, were you even listening to how many times I said, you're okay, you're fine? He's like, no. I'm like, I would wager that between the barn and OT, I've told him he's fine and he's okay, probably 40 to 50 times in the car, in the facilities, wherever. I just keep saying you're okay. And maybe he's not okay. He's clearly not okay. If you look at his body language, he's like, yeah. And I said, what if I'm going about this all wrong? What if instead of telling him he's fine, I should acknowledge what it appears that he is showing me, that he's nervous, that he's anxious, that he's unsure, that you know he's, he's scared, any of those things. Um, and, and acknowledge those and tell him that I understand if you're feeling this way, you you have every right to feel this way. How can I help you? And and just go about it from a different, different tone, different perspective, all of those things. So we had a, an opportunity to try that the next weekend at the horse farm. And then the entire car ride there, I could see he was anxious again and ramping up. So before he got out of the car, I climbed in the back seat and I said all of those things to him. I said, you know, buddy, it looks like you're really nervous and you... Are uncertain about what's going to happen. Let me just kind of walk you through what we did last time and we're going to do the exact same thing. And anytime you're ready to go, you just grab my hand and we can leave. We don't have to stay. We don't have to do anything. You don't want to do you, whatever you're feeling is completely appropriate and it's okay that you feel how you feel. And he just sat there for a second and just kind of looked at me I got out of the car and you know, I went to unbuckle him and get him out and I said to him, whenever you're ready and you're feeling okay and you're ready to get out of this car, you step out of the car and we'll walk towards the barn. And he stepped out of the car and slowly started walking to the barn <clears throat> past the um, the emus and <laughs> all the, other, the goats and all the cool things. He took his time and he was looking at everything. We went in the barn. He did not really push us like he was before he walked out into the sand and he uh, got close to the horse and we just talked to him and kept telling him like you don't have to touch the horse you don't have to do anything you don't want to do and he made one lap around um the riding area and then came back to one of the horses and stuck out his finger to touch the horse on the nose and i'm like had a babe that's so awesome he did it on his own he was ready in his own time to extend his hand, and he didn't want to be pushed to do anything. He didn't want to be told that he was fine when he wasn't fine. And I just looked at my husband and I thought, oh my gosh, yet again, this kid is just (laughs) like making me earn my mom badge because I just feel like I'm always doing everything wrong and I don't realize it until I realize it, which sometimes it's so late, but I guess it's better to learn eventually than to never learn at all. Right. Um, so again, I, I modeled that same approach with OT a few days later. And that's when he, I, I climbed to the back seat, did the same thing, told him his feelings were valid and it's not his fault that he's nervous. It, it happens to everybody for the first time they go somewhere and all of that stuff. And we walked into the therapy Area, and as we're walking in from the car, he held my hand the entire way. Now, I have to say that's a big deal because usually he only holds my husband's hand, even if we're mall walking or whatever. He'll hold his hand, reach out for mine for a half a second, and then he drops it. I don't know why, but he's just more comfortable holding Josh's hand. So he held mine and he held it the entire way in. He held it in the waiting room, waiting for the therapist to come get in. And then I said to him, I'm gonna stay out here. I mean, I think you are would be, you know, super safe and everything is great and you're super brave to go back there by yourself. Is that okay? And he released my hand and he went with the therapist. So, you know, kudos to me. I gotta pat myself on the back. Like I said, it took me so long to finally realize that I was underestimating him and the abilities he had without me, but also that I just inadvertently was dismissing his feelings and I just did not mean to do that. I felt so bad once I switched gears and recognized that that's maybe what he was waiting for, is for me to validate his feelings instead of dismiss them. But um, I'm just really glad that, that I figured that out. It, you know, it takes me a while sometimes. (laughs) I'm the first to admit I don't know everything. I'm always evolving and trying to figure this kid out uh, to make his life the best. Um, And, you know, the the last thing I'll say on that is one of the things that um, I learned from actually Linda um, Orlean's daughter. um, She wrote me one time and said that her daughter told her that one of the best things that... um, we can do for our kids is to constantly remind them even if they're having a meltdown or whatever it is to kind of get eye to eye with them and tell them that it's not their fault and i have implemented that for quite some time now the last couple of years anytime i can see he's uncomfortable um or he's having a, you know an issue with his stomach from his crohn's disease or whatever it is and he's just he's just really having a bad go at it um I'll hold his hold on to both of his arms and I'll, you know, make sure I'm in his face, whether he looks at me or not is irrelevant. But um, and I say, Skyler, it's not your fault. It's not your fault, especially if it's your stomach. It's not your fault. You can't help it. Um, but how we, you know, express ourselves, we can work on that. But whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing, it's not your fault. And the more times, it's almost like Good Will Hunting, if you've seen that movie, with Robin Williams telling Matt Damon, it's not your fault. All the abuse he suffered as a child, it's not your fault. And it made Matt Damon very uncomfortable in the movie until eventually he embraced Robin Williams and had a really, really deep cry. Um, Skyler is the same, except he doesn't cry, he laughs. And the more I say, it's not your fault, his smirk and his smile gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And then for whatever reason, it diffuses his frustration and his anger a bit. And he laughs and things kind of, you know, resolve themselves with his his uh, behaviors or whatever's going on. So if you haven't implemented that with your kids, you might try it. It may work for you, it may not. But um, just reminding Skylar over and over that, Nothing he's doing is his fault and nothing he's struggling with is his fault. This is just how life was dealt to him. And so everything is sometimes a struggle and that's not his fault. He didn't do anything to cause the extra struggle. So I just try to remind him of that. And I remind myself of that when I'm saying it to him. Obviously, it makes me smile too, seeing him smile. And I feel like the whole room, anyone in the room, it calms the tone of the house um, so and if we can keep ourselves regulated to be calm and to, you know, constantly provide reinforcement that's positive and things like that, it does diffuse many of the the heartaches and the really long struggle bus days that we have here at our house. Um so anyway, I just um I'm gonna continue on with the day programming um a la mom plan. I I have some things lined up. I want to take him to grocery stores, but instead of just having him push carts um, with me, you know, next to me, I I know that he can read because he can spell, and I know that he understands all all the things that are in the store. Um, uh, It's been suggested that I make like a list of like two or three items for him, and then have him take the identify the items on the shelf, put them in the cart push the card around, and then we can maybe return all of those items back to the shelves as just a little field trip. And then eventually, if it's items that I know he likes and wants, we can make a list, he can go and pick those items out. And then we can, you know, slowly teach him how to hand money over to the cashier or, you know, pay with a credit card or things like that. And we can assist him with all of it, but just gradually adds more steps to um, a task like going to the store. Um, I, I'd love to take him, <laughs> but I'm nervous about it. So, some of his um, former therapists and friends of ours that have volunteered to take him on some outings to help me out, um, because again, it's not in my wheelhouse. And they are, uh, he knows them, so he's comfortable with them. Um, maybe taking him to the library. Um, one of the therapists told me that she's taken kids of all ages and adults to the library and just they call ahead and the library has been very very nice and gracious um about you know she she said sometimes she'll have her clients like pick out five books that have blue covers or five books that have red covers or whatever and just kind of again to work with uh, their hands and their motor planning for Skylar that was that would be a huge one but when she mentioned the library to me I panicked and I first said, Oh, oh, I don't, oh, that makes me nervous because I think he would swipe a lot of books to the floor and make a huge mess. And she just looked at me and gave me the reprimand that I needed. She goes, Mom, it is not going to be a big deal. If he throws books or makes a mess, he'll pick it up and we'll have him pick up every single book until they're put away. And the librarians don't care, they understand. Um, you know, that it's sometimes really hard for our kids and, um, adults to be in these environments that are new to them and they don't really know what to do, but he'll learn. And she's like, you've got to presume that he can do anything and everything. And you can't worry. You cannot worry all the time. Like point made. I got it. (laughs) I'm just so used to, you know, again, apologizing in advance for everything that's about to happen. Even if it doesn't happen, I just feel like that's my duty and my job as his mom to protect him and to protect others around him um, from potential chaos. But anyway, um, and then you know maybe taking him to consignment stores and having him you know, pull a couple items that have a certain color tag or there's just a lot of things, but I, I want him to, to have fun outings, but I want him to have productive outings too, again, to gain more independence and to teach him things about outside of this house, in the community, and how to interact with people. I think the biggest thing, even with going to the grocery store or the library or anywhere else, acquiring those skills to shop for yourself are great. But from, for, from the beginning, the first and foremost thing I want him to be able to handle is being in public, in the community, and not touching anyone else, not putting his hand on anyone else, not making a mess and throwing things on the floor, Whatever he's got to, you know, rein in his form of communication to where it's not physical, and I think that's going to be a continual battle that we face, but it's worth it. I, I don't want him to be shunned from places, um, banned from places just because of his hands and his inability to keep control of those. So, um, if anyone has any suggestions, I would love to hear them on how um, to keep your kids from using their hands for good and bad (laughs) like I he um he has pockets in all of his pants and I've tried um to suggest to him like you know if you're feeling anxious and you want to smack somebody or pull some hair or whatever put your hands in your pockets that doesn't resonate with him he's not a fidgeting you know fidget spinner fidgets kind of guy he um has never really enjoyed those things and he doesn't hold things in his hands for very long he'll throw them the minute he is hanging on to them. So um, other than those things, I don't know what else to try. I'm not really sure what else to do, but there has to be a solution that works for him um, and everybody around him. I don't know if it's a stim that makes him want to touch everything and everyone um, or not. If it is, I'm not sure that I'll ever be able to completely remove that need from him, but I just would like to find a more productive way for him to display that. Um, So, yeah, that is kind of where we are right now. I'm really, really getting more and more nervous myself Um, as we approach age 22. I'm still working on it. But um, as so many of you have told me on various podcasts, episodes, that um, it's not much better in other states we've just got to find a solution to our adults being completely left out um, after they turn 18 and especially after they turn 22 um, and just abandoned by all the support and resources and um, people that were there to support them. So anyway, that's a, that's a huge topic for another day, but um, thank you for listening to me. Hopefully um, maybe something that I've said resonates with somebody and, um, you'll start having conversations with your kids and loved ones a little differently. Um, I don't know. And, um, I'm going to continue to to share what Skylar teaches me because I think that's the only way we all learn is, um, from our kids. Ultimately they're the best teachers for us. So have a wonderful day and thank you so much for listening and tuning in to Living the Skylar. I hope you enjoyed this episode of living the sky life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the living the sky life podcast within Apple podcast, Spotify, and Google play. So you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback and share living the sky life with others. Thanks again for listening.